Well, good morning, everyone. It's awesome to be together, to worship together, uh, sing praises, and I just want to, not speaking specifically uh, about the Lord's Supper, but uh, it's a nice segue, and I just thought it would be nice to do a little switcheroo anyway, so that's why we're doing it in this order. Um, What if I walked up to you and I told you, well, it wouldn't be very believable for me, but somebody who you could believe walked up to you and told you, you have 24 hours to live. 24 hours to live, what would you do? What's the first thing that would come to your mind? What would you do? Maybe, uh, what would you pray for? What would you think about? What would you dwell on? What would, what would your mind be set on for those 24 hours? Now, I imagine most of you with a family, well, all of you have a family. <laughs> You'd want to spend time with your kids, or spend time with your spouse, spend time with your, with your mom and with your dad during those last 24 hours. Maybe, maybe you'd you'd spend time in prayer for them. Deep, devoted prayer for one another. That pray for your kids that they would be alright after you left. Pray for your parents that they would be able to handle this loss. Pray for them to to figure out... uh, what it is they're, they're striving after, to, to seek God with all, all of their heart. That I think that's what I would pray for, I think. As, as I sat around and, you know, the, the, my, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday, right? And mainly because it's just family and it's just eating. Like, that's it. There's, there's no gifts. There's no anything else that's special. It's just family and it's just eating. Two of my favorite things. <laughs> Especially eating. <laughs> you know, I would long to, to sit around a dinner table and to, to look at my mom and my grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and my wife and, and friends and family and just commune together. To eat, to eat together, to laugh together, to cry together. That's what I want my last 24 hours to look like. Maybe yours is different, but that's what I want. And I look at at the end of Jesus' life. Now, we're not many days away. John chapter 13, right? John chapter 13, Jesus is is eating eating a meal. And he, and he comes in there, and instead of just sitting around and, and just enjoying the time with one another, he, he sits down and he teaches the disciples a lesson by washing their feet. And we move on a little bit more, and we watch Jesus as he communicates and as he cries and laughs with the disciples. We watch as he, he tells them that he's fixing to go away and leave them. And then we watch as as Jesus promises them in John chapter 14 and verse 1 through 3, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't worry. And he comes to John chapter 15 and he says, Abide in me and I in you and this is how you have joy. Right? He's teaching them the very fundamental things of what he's about as he finishes up his life. 
He continues to teach in John chapter 16 that he's going to send a helper whenever he leaves. He's not going to leave you as orphans, but he's going to send in a helper. And this is, this is how he's ending his life. This is the final moments he's spending with the apostles. He's teaching them the most important things that he can teach them. And we come to John chapter 17, and he goes into the garden. And he prays for those apostles, and he prays for you and me. And his most intimate prayer with God, he spends time with God praying for you and I. It's not a selfish prayer. It's not a, a prayer that's about me or, or, or poor me. Please take this cup away from me. But we see in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 that, that great grief and agony came upon him and the sweats, and he sweats as he's praying like drops of blood. So he sits there in the garden praying so hard that his, his body is, is literally sweating blood, and those prayers are for you and for me today. And we're going to look at this text, but it's beautiful, uh, and, and we'll see exactly why as we move on. John chapter 17 and verse 1, if you have your Bible, uh, I hope you turn there and we, as we read it together, not the entire chapter this at once, but we're going to start in 17 and verse 1, and it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, uh, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Father, the hour has come. Everything Jesus has been doing his entire life, his entire being, ever, since, since the dawn of creation, has been about this. Right? What, what's fixing to happen in the coming hours, in the coming days. We see in John chapter 4, Jesus tells his, his mom that the hour has not yet come. It's not time for me to be glorified yet. They want to make him king in John chapter 6, and Jesus says, you can't make me king yet, the hour hasn't come. Right, so he's, he's been waiting on this moment, building up and building and, and teaching things that, that coincide with being, with the hour coming. And he says, the hour hasn't come yet. But John chapter 17, in this prayer with his father, he says, the hour's here. This is the moment. Glorify me that I may glorify you by, by bringing people to you, by bringing them into a belief of you. Facing this hour, he does not shy away. He asked that God would glorify him so that he may glorify God. God is glorified. This is accomplished through a giving of eternal life to those who believe, to all whom you have given me. God is most glorified by the gift of eternal life that comes through the glory-filled sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again, just so we're on the same page. God is most glorified by the gift of eternal life that's available for you and me, for us receiving that. And the only way that this is available is through the glory-filled sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We have been over this time and time again. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And 
eternal life with God. He is the way to eternal life. He is the sacrifice to eternal life. And verse 3 says that He is eternal life. He's every single aspect of it. He's the way to it. He is the means of it. And He is it. He is eternal life. John chapter 17 and verse 3. And this is eternal life. This is it. Like, nothing else. I just, I want you to catch this. It took me a long time, and I've read this verse a lot. But John makes it clear all the way throughout. When he's talking about life, he's talking about fellowship with God the Father. And this is eternal life, verse 3, that they know you. That they know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Eternal life is is knowing or having an intimate relationship with God and Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. That's life. Knowing God with an intimacy that meets our most important relationship needs. God, John makes this clear in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. You want to turn there with me? John chapter 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. Uh, if I can find it. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, that which, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to you. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Why? So that you too may have fellowship with us. Right? And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Right, everything that I'm writing in this book, John says, everything that I've written, he says in John chapter 20 and verse uh, 13, no, it's 20 and verse 30, I think. You don't have to turn there, I just, we were going to do it later, but I just got to it early. 20 and verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but they are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in His name. Right, Everything that John has written down is is to lead to this life relationship with God. That is the purpose of John's writings. So that you may have life with God. He says, I'm going to tell you everything that I've seen and heard and touched and looked upon about Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell you it so that you may have fellowship with one another. And so that we may have fellowship with God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. Well, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. It's only through knowing that eternal life or fellowship with God, or having this fellowship with God, that our joy is complete. Now, if you want to turn over a couple more pages in John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5. Same thing again, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. That you may know today, be confident 
in it. And, and have this confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. These things are written that we may know we have fellowship with the Father. Have life because of believing in Jesus Christ. That is in the goal. Eternal life, John chapter 17. This is eternal life. This is what I've worked to, and this is what I have given. Verse 4, we're just going to touch on these for a second. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I've drawn people to myself. I've helped people to believe in me. And now the Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, uh, we're going to read 6 through the end of the chapter, and I understand it's a long reading. Um, well, real quick before we do that. Verse 3, which says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 3 is the foundation of the rest of this prayer. Like as we read the rest of John 17, watch how Jesus prays for this unity between believers and relationships with God. The prayer that he offers up for this. Jesus says, John chapter 17 and verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And I have come to know in truth that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 10, all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may become one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. My, I kept them in this sense of belonging, of this home in you. That's where I kept them, and I have guarded them, and, and not one of them has been lost except Judas, the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so 
I have sent them into the world, and it is for their sake I consecrate or I sacrifice myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. It's for the sake of these apostles and disciples that I sacrifice myself so that they may stand, that they may be set firm in the truth. That's why I'm going to the cross. To set them into eternal life. I, verse 20, do not ask for these only, he was talking about the apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. That's you and me. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We're going to stop right there for a second. Uh, No, we're not. We're going to finish reading it. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one perfectly so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me father i desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where i am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world O righteous father even though the world does not know you i know you and these things and these know that you have sent me I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's two sections here. In verses 6 through 19, Jesus is praying for his uh, disciples specifically, or apostles. Uh, Then, if you move on from verse 20 to verse 26... Uh, we see Jesus praying for you and me. We're going to touch on a couple of verses in verses 6 through 19, and then we'll finish up with 20 through 26. Verse 10. Uh, All are mine, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, right? Glorified by unity with God and Jesus Christ. That's what brings glory to God. That's why Jesus in the first part of chapter 17 said that glorify me, I'm going to glorify you. The glorification of God comes from unity with one another and unity with him, right? God is glorified by us accepting eternal life and in doing so entering into eternal life. Entering into unity with one another. That's what comes from this glorification of Jesus. He prays that, that, that God would keep them in his name, verse 11. Keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. That they need to find home you, to find a dwelling place in you, and that's exactly what they do. God answers this prayer. And finally, in verse 19, I sacrifice myself so that they may be set in the truth. Two things are true from this section. 
Number one, God wants us to find belonging and safety in Him. And this is only available, this belonging and this safety is available through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, moving on to verse 20. Jesus prays that we would be one with God and Him because of our belief in the testimony of the disciples. Because of their words. Because of their words that bring us to belief. God, Jesus is praying that you and I would be united on the common ground of Jesus Christ. On the words of these apostles. And, and in this unity, we'd be united with God, that we would have fellowship with one another through the words of the apostles. He prays that it has an effect on you, that this belief cultivates deep and meaningful intimacy with God the Father. That is what Jesus is praying for. And we know that he's going to answer it. We'll touch on 22 and 25 22-24 The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. That they would be united. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly. 100% in perfect unity with God. That's what Jesus has been striving for. That's the eternal life that He's been talking about. That we would have perfect unity with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, and with one another. That's what His goal is. That's what eternal life looks like. Uh, we, can, we can sit here and we can talk about how great having a church family is, and it's awesome. Having a, a family who you can lean on and who you can trust and who you can come to in times of need and, and pour your heart out to them. And it's, it's awesome. Nothing compares to it, except for one thing. <laughs> and that's being able to come before God. Being able to come before God and pour your heart out to Him. Everything that you are. To be in perfect unity with Him. In what was the most intimate time with God that Jesus had on earth? He prays that we would be one with God and one with one another. Relationships that are perfect. That God would shape us and mold us into perfect relationships. And the good news is that we have these perfect relationships because of the glorification of Jesus Christ on the cross. The reason we've had the sermon before communion is because we have a unique opportunity to participate in this unity 
through partaking in communion together. You see, there, there is no other time in which we get to participate in perfect fellowship or eternal life that compares to sitting around the banquet table of Christ while we, as one body, break the bread that was broken for us and drink the blood that flows to eternal life. This moment that represents the death of me and the beginning of Christ in me. One body and one flesh glorified for you and me, for us, to have eternal life, to have eternal relationship with the God who names the stars, with the God who puts them in their place. Jesus goes to the cross. in order for me to be reconciled to God, in order for me to no longer be distant and separated from the God who who has named me, no longer distant and separate from the God who who has numbered the hairs on my head, who stretched out the earth, but have something to have unity with God the Father. If you believe in these words, well, I should say, if you have yet to believe in these words and long to have an intimate relationship with God the Father, then please come forward and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ while we stand and sing.